Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Drill Down. We've got the business stories behind Stocks on the Move. I'm Corey Johnson. Today is the beginning of the second half, July 1st. Well, just ahead, we gave you the winners of the second quarter yesterday. So today, the losers. We're going to take a look at the three worst performing stocks of the last quarter. Tell you just what went wrong. And Microvision, a company betting on a self-driving technology laser-powered future. We're going to drill down on Microvision with our guest, Wolfpack Research CIO and founder, Dan David. He's got some questions. But first, it's sponsor time. The Drill Down is brought to you by Era, a one-stop equity platform where you can seamlessly connect to any earnings call and surface actionable insights automatically. Era's AI-powered tools will allow you to work faster and smarter. That's Era, A-I-E-R-A.com. And of course, The Drill Down's on all your favorite, favorite podcast platforms, whether it's Spotify or Pandora, uh, you name it, Stitcher. We're all everywhere, but we really want you to subscribe. We want you to catch every show. We work so hard to make these shows for you and bring your daily business news. So subscribe, follow us, and catch every show. And let us know what companies you think we should be drilling down on. Talk to us on Twitter and Instagram by following at DrillDownPod and connect with us directly at our website, bizpod.net. All right, I'm Corey Johnson. Welcome to The Drill Down. We'll give you the business stories behind stocks on the move. Isaac Webster joining me to start off this second half of 2021 with the three most important business stories of today. Isaac? Corey, let's get to it. Number one, the U.S. winning international backing for a global minimum tax rate. This is part of a wider overhaul of the rules for taxing international companies. And it's a major step towards securing a final agreement on a key and a key element of the Biden administration's domestic plans for revenue raising and spending. Officials from 130 countries, including all of the group of 20 G20 nations and China and India, agreed Thursday to the broad outlines of this overhaul. Now, those governments will now seek to pass laws at home, ensuring that companies headquartered in their countries pay a minimum tax rate of at least 15% in each of the nations in which they operate, and this reduces the opportunities for tax avoidance. Global cooperation, imagine that, even with China. Yeah, it's funny, like uh, we started to see all of that erode not so long ago, but here we are, we're back a little, it's nice to see international cooperation happening again. Now, we're also watching Krispy Kreme. Shares of Krispy Kreme rose 23% in their debut trading day, I should say their second debut trading day. I was going to say, we've seen this before. <laughs> yeah. Time to make Krispy a donut, Kreme. IPO. <laughs> exactly. So Krispy Kreme's trading under D-N-U-T, D-Nut. Shares um, opened at $16.30. They closed at $21. Krispy Kreme earlier went public in 2000, but later went private after it was bought by J-A-B Holding back in 2016 for around $1.35 billion. JAB now owns roughly 77.6% of Krispy Kreme. And finally, the third business story we're watching today, Robinhood. 
Unveiling the paperwork for its long-awaited initial public offering IPO, Robinhood plans to list on the NASDAQ under the ticker symbol HOOD, H-O-O-D. Robinhood generated $522 million of revenue in the first quarter. That's mostly from trading activity, more than quadruple its level from the first quarter in 2020. Now, the number of funded accounts at Robinhood swelled to $18 million at the end of March this year. That's the more than double their number from a year earlier. As everyday investors signed up in droves, to participate in rallies and meme stocks like GameStop and cryptocurrencies like Dogecoin. Yeah, Dogecoin was big. So 17% of the revenues in their most recent quarter were from crypto trading, up from 4%. So um, they're definitely, they've got the tiger by the tail there. That's right. Which doesn't always work out so well. Corey, what stocks are you drilling down on today? All right, well, like I said, uh, we looked at the winners yesterday from the quarter. Let's look at the losers today. Those stocks that declined the most in the second quarter, according to screens we ran on finviz.com. Super cool website. Check it out. Do you use Finviz much, Isaac? Yeah, you're the one that turned me on to Finviz. I love it. Uh, let's thank uh, Greg Chaco for turning me on to it. Chaco's the best. Uh, so let's look at We're going to look at the uh, biggest loser in small caps, the biggest loser in mid caps, and the biggest loser in large caps. And that's tricky because once they lose value, they don't show up on the screens anymore. But let's start out with... Tian Ruxiang Holdings. My Chinese, by the way, Isaac, is not very good. But Tian Ruxiang Holdings was a big loser in the second quarter. Yeah, T-I-R-X, it trades under. It was down 93% last quarter. What's the story here? It's just an ouch, yeah. The market cap of this thing went from as high as about $520 million to $32 million today. So it ouch. started out as a small cap, but now it's, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, very smaller cap, maybe even micro cap, depending on your definition. This company is an insurance broker based in China, based in Beijing, but it was brought public by a little investment bank in New Jersey called Network One Financial Securities in Red Bank, New Jersey. And the IPO, I don't really talk too much about IPOs in this podcast usually, but company went public at four bucks a share and almost instantly stock shot up to 50 bucks a share. Trading was halted then it fell. Then it went up to about $104 a share, 103.87 to be exact. There was a little bit of a Wall Street Bets Reddit run with this stock. It was one of those stocks that um, that's, uh, uh, that they actually halted trading in Robinhood or limited trading in Robinhood. We were just talking about Robinhood a minute ago. Do you remember when the AMC thing was kind of going crazy and 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 uh, BlackBerry and others? Well, this was one of the ten stocks that they actually limited the trading in. Um, or when they basically couldn't hit some capital requirements. It was a peculiar thing because there's only about 5 million shares outstanding of this thing, but the value shot up, like I said, to about $104 a share, 5 million shares outstanding. That's why I said about a 520 million market cap. So in April, this company announced it was going to sell a lot more shares and the stock almost immediately collapsed. Well, so how big were their commissions in the insurance business, say last year? So, they were actually in massive decline. They were down over 30% year over year, but they were only $2 million. So $2 million in commissions for selling insurance and a $500 million market cap. Uh, this is a, a peculiarity, I think, of the market. It wasn't very much um, evaluated in the business. And indeed, their business model apparently continues to shift. Last week, the company announced a whole new extension of their business model, if not a new business model enti entirely. I'm going to read from their press release because they don't, uh, the, the conference call information is both hard to come by or hard to understand. A lot of Chinese spoken and some thick accents. I won't torture you with that. But they said, we intend to utilize our experience in the insurance sector to expand, in, to expand into the healthcare management industry. 
That's right. From insurance to healthcare management. Okay. With the favorable government policies and the three child policy and the trend of China's growing aging population, it's expected the demand for healthcare management services will increase. So our plan to explore and expand into healthcare management is in line with social and macro environment develops in China will create long-term value to shareholders. Yeah, we'll see. This is definitely a we'll see. What we've seen, as we mentioned, is a big loser in the second quarter, down 93%. A lot of what you just said, I honestly, I was thinking, was this written by an algorithm? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, Tian Rushang Holdings, T-I-R-X, uh, really, it's, it's, there's a lot to dig into here, but at the bottom of the day, it's only a 30 million plus market cap stock now. Corey, what is your next drill down? Well, this one, here we go testing my Chinese pronunciation again. Gautu Tekyudu. Okay, Gautu Tekyudu down 56% in the quarter. So what's the story here with Gautu? Ticker Gautu, right? G-O-T-U. G-O-T-U. And the market cap is also in massive decline. It's a mid-cap still, but it went from $8 billion to $3.8 billion. So it's a mid-cap. We're calling it the biggest mid-cap loser the second quarter. But as you mentioned, down 56%. In just 13 weeks. Wow. Ouch. How does it, well, so walk us through the story here. How, how that is such a decline in three months. What's going on? Well, um, so it's even worse than this. This, this company once had a $34 billion market cap. Now it's down to 3.8 oh. billion. It's in the Chinese online education business. Now, and, wait, well, hold May, on. And yes. February, it had a $34 billion market cap. Yes. Yes. February of this year. year. Yes. So from February, it went from $34 billion to now $3.8 billion. Which is less. <laughs> Which is less. I'm not okay. good at math, but- Sorry to interrupt you, but not okay. not really what you wanted to do there. Um, so this business um, is in the online education business, a for-profit education business, but very different in China. And indeed, things changed in China dramatically in this business at the end of May. So May 31st, Government announced uh, the law of protection of minors rules number 33 was going okay. into effect and saying the schools shouldn't conduct group classes on weekends, summer holidays, winter holidays for grades one through nine. Now, some believe that China is going to lower the profitability of companies to lower costs for raising children as part of the company's new centralized birth plan. They're trying to encourage people, families to have bigger family, their families to get bigger, I should say. And the result is they want to lower the cost of that, perhaps. And that's some of the speculation, at least, around this. So China announcing May 31 that it'll, it'll allow married couples to have a third, uh, third child, as mentioned in the previous story. Well, Chinese President uh, President Xi stressed the need for regulations of both online and offline after-school after training institutions, which is exactly what this company does. Now, analysts noticed that tutoring companies that were pulling back a little bit in their advertising, in their headcounts, ahead of the policy announcements. Maybe there was a hint here. So I want you to listen to soundbite carefully because it's a little hard to understand, but you could, I think you can stick with it. This is head of investor relations, Sandy Kin, and she's uh, translating the comments of the company's CEO, Zhang Dong Chen, talking about reducing spending and traffic acquisition and performance channels just as the law changed. Here she is. Uh, in March, we have uh, very significantly reduced our spending in this Traffic acquisition on performance channels. And at this moment, we have completely stopped our spending in traffic acquisition from the performance channel. 
On the one hand, we want to be in full compliance with regulations. On the other hand, uh, we really want to return to the essence of education, return to a quality doing growth. Uh, we believe in the next several months, we will see some benefits. So they believe in the next several months? I don't know. Look, if you stop spending on traffic acquisition, it seems to me you might stop getting traffic. Uh, and as we mentioned, the stock kind of collapsed down 56% in the quarter. Wow. That is a great story. Or not so great story, actually. Corey, That's what is your next story? It's just an unfortunate <laughs> for people who uh, yeah. were rooting for this company and thought it was going to succeed. Especially when there's so much at stake for the future of online education. So, you know, we'll see how this plays out. Corey, what's your next drill down? Let's look at Tal Education Group. Tal Education Group down 53% in the quarter. Yeah, um, uh, and, and you know, this is another shocker, Chinese education company. Um, this one you may have heard about before. Um, Tal Education, uh, the ticker for this company uh, is, in fact, T-A-L. So Tal Education uh, was a very big company at one point, uh, in terms, at least in terms of market cap, until it ran into Carson Block of the hedge fund Muddy Waters. He accused the company of fraud, charges the company denied. But at the time, uh, a few years ago, Muddy Waters released a really slick video explaining Tal Education's business in great depth. Some accounting maneuvers that caused the Muddy Waters firm to short the stock, and, and they did a, an extensive investigation of it. I won't play the whole 13-minute video they put up. They put a very dramatic video on on their website. But uh, here is the voice of Carson Block. He does a better job than me uh, at most things, including throwing a football. Carson's got a great arm. But also um, uh, describing what this business does and then his problems with it. Our investigators have spent close to 1,000 man hours researching Tal over months. This is thousands of pages, done field work at numerous locations, and spoken with former employees and other sources who provided a detailed look at the business that nobody else has had to date. Tile Education is a for-profit education company, does small class-size tutoring after school learning. The issue with Tile is that its core business margins are in decline, and I see them as trying to cover it up. So he said I was trying to cover it up, whatever. I don't know if he's short the stock or not. I did uh, send him a text, I didn't hear back from him today. But uh, it, it's, you know, it's the same issues, if uh, the macro issues, even if you believe their numbers, Carson, of course, does not. But even if you believe their numbers, even if you believe in their business model, even if you ignore the related party transactions and the disclosures or lack of disclosures or whatever, it's not going to be in the, in the uh, tutoring business when the Chinese government is saying we shouldn't have tutoring in this country anymore for young children. As a result, you saw this stock really take it on the chin. It is, in fact, the biggest loser of large cap companies um, in the second quarter. The irony here, though, don't you think there is a place, there is a market and a need here in the U.S. for companies like this, for online tutoring, for after-school tutoring, wouldn't you say? And there are a lot of companies that do this. Sure, but there are a lot of companies that do this. This, look, there's, these are all, it's interesting to me that all three of these big losers today were all Chinese companies. And, the, yeah. and, and there are real issues with how Chinese companies report things in the U.S., um, how their accounting is done, what mm -hmm. purview the SEC has over how they report things. Uh -huh. And so when we see these problems crop up over and over and over again, did you see the great documentary? Uh, it's on Hulu right now, The China Hustle. No. And it's about the hundreds of 
U.S. listed companies of the the, the U.S. shareholders buying. Uh, I think over 400 companies have proved to be shams or frauds or at least collapsed. I'm not saying any of the companies we talked about today are frauds or shams, but there were hundreds of companies that did not uh, perform as expected, some of whom, many of whom were exposed as frauds that were traded in the U.S. It was one of the biggest financial frauds of the last couple decades. China Hustle, check it out. Interesting movie. One of the stars of that movie is hedge fund manager Dan David. He is the CIO at Wolfpack Research, and he will be with us next talking about a company called Microvision with some of his concerns about Microvision. So we're going to listen to Dan David in just a little bit, but first. The Drill Down is brought to you by ERA. ERA's event access and monitoring intelligence platform improves earnings season and the investor events in between through comprehensive calendar tracking, one-click event access, dynamic monitors, multicasting, and more. Powered by an advanced language processing engine, which consumes some 40,000 investor events annually across 10,000 global equities. Learn more at ERA, A-I-E-R-A dot com. And remember to join the drill down on Twitter and Instagram at DrillDownPod. And check out our website, bizpod.net. Let us know what stocks we should be drilling down on. All right, welcome back to the drill down. We are joined right now by Dan David, who brings us a look at Microvision. Uh, Dan, tell me about this company. How's it, how's it supposed to work? Microvision is a ticker symbol MVIS, maybe one of the first true MAME stocks. Uh, we came across this last year, spring of last year. It's, these, uh, are the, these are the Wall Street bet stocks, the Reddit stocks, the meme stocks, the, the I, I, I'll call them game stocks. Yeah, it seems like it's, 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 you know, it's not an investment in, in an improving business often. It's just trying to drive a stock price up. Well, it has zero intrinsic value, if that's what you mean, in my okay. opinion. Uh, and we called it out last year, thank God, before Reddit got their stuff together. Uh, and at that point, it had gone from 22 cents to about three bucks. And, and that was completely out of control. Uh, so the history behind it is, you know, as I said, you know, no, no real value here. Um, it was at an enterprise value then of about 22 million when it was trying to uh, look for strategic offerings uh, in a sale. It's now, as we sit here today, Corey, uh, has an enterprise value of $3.2 billion dollars. Once the Reddit crowd got a hold of it, uh, it reported only four hundred and seventy nine K four hundred seventy nine thousand dollars of non-cash revenue for all of last year. Non-cash revenue, non-cash, like no cash revenue last year. And yet sports uh, a three point two billion dollar market cap currently. Yeah. Yeah, which makes a lot of sense right now. Uh, it, it, it currently trades at 1500 enterprise value to trailing 12 months revenue, all non-cash. <laughs> um, so explain so, this to me. So this company ostensibly is in the, they make certain kind of chips for 3D sensing or sensors or something. And it's been around forever. I mean, this company was founded in 1993. I've looked at this over the years. Um, and it's, it's uh, you know, as you say, it has yet to, with just 52 employees and not a lot of success, but it's been hanging around for a long time. Well, look, yeah. If, yeah, getting back into it, it started out as 
um, a MEMS product, a mirror, um, a, a micro electrical mechanical systems, right? Scanning mirror um, back in 93. And now it is kind of, you know, jumped onto this LIDAR um, craze. And Which is hot because of the notion that LIDAR could be used in electric cars and automated, you know, driving something or, you know, magic self-driving cars or something like that. Well, it got really hot because of two SPACs, right? Velodyne and Luminar, which, you know, uh, Luminar is valued at $8.1 billion uh, and Velodyne at $2.1 billion. Uh, so, you know, Microvision's like, hey, you know, our MEMS-based consumer LiDAR engine, we could maybe test that. They're, they're not even in the testing phase, by the way. Uh, and, and it just really popped on, on that kind of news. Uh, and now as of last month, they're going to be part of the Russell. So we can look forward to mom and pop being a part of this stock now. So that, put another way, if, if you buy the Russell 2000 index or a fund that's a, an ETF that's based on that index, you will be owning a little bit of this company that has, as you said, no cash revenues. So when I look at the revenue line on this thing, I see these numbers of, you know, a million dollars, one quarter, zero dollars the next quarter. What, what, what is the non-cash, you know, what are they recognizing there? Well, they, they had a contract uh, with a customer that, that I guess they had uh, some kind of uh, non-disclosure agreement. So they never named the customer for $10 million back in 2017. And they're recognizing a little bit of that non-cash revenue quarter by quarter uh, since then. And I think they have like $7 million of that non-cash revenue yet to recognize, but they're not actually selling anything. So what, what do you mean they recognize? So they, they got a deposit from a customer. They haven't sold anything. Right. But yeah. how do they recognize? How, how, how do, <laughs> there's, a, there's always a mystery of some accounting rules. What is the accounting rule that lets them count that as revenue if they haven't received any money for or, or sold a product? Well, it's a, you know, it, it's as the they could recognize the revenue as the product uh, is used by this unknown customer. Um, so they got the cash, the ten million dollars in in 2017, burned through it, and then they can recognize it quarter by quarter as they got see it. fit. So they've so already the spent money's the already money. gone. It's gone. But it was on their yeah. balance sheet. Yeah. At Correct. one point. Correct. Yeah. So this is kind of an astounding uh, uh, thing. You know, I, I when I was working for a, a, a fund once and I'm talking to a great short seller there, he he said, "Look, if you want to find stocks to short, look for companies with no revenues." Like, right? Oh, that's kind of obvious, but that's actually a thing sometimes outside of the world of biotech. Uh, it can be quite a predictive, uh, uh, believe it or not, predictive. Uh, element that the company is not going to do well if it can't sell anything. That used to be true. Until this market. Um, so how, what, what do we know? What do we do when we dig a little bit deeper in this company about how, how the company itself works or what they're trying to do? Well, at, at this point, they, they have done the smart thing. At first, I think they were a little shell shocked, right? So they didn't even really try to pump the stock. It was more of the retail crowd. Uh, and now over the last six months, they've done two at the money offerings. I mean, they're not even really going through banks. They've done, uh, around $70 million in at the money offerings. So they do have some cash on the balance sheet now. Um, and you know, maybe there is some hope that they can get to the testing phase of their LIDAR engine. 
it's a competitive market, but one of the other big problems you have are very few customers for it, right? You've got, you know, Volkswagen, General Motors, possibly, um, you know, who's that other electric vehicle fraud in the market? Uh, gee, I forget the name. I swore I swore I'd never say, say it again. A fraud, unless I know, you know, but but yeah, <laughs> there are there are some speculative companies out there that have yet to make any electric vehicles that are getting great rich valuations in the market right now. Uh, some less so. Um, yeah. So, example, I don't, I don't, I don't know that Lordstown is a fraud. I don't think that it is. But that that company with the CEO and CFO running out the door, and now the company's saying they don't have enough money to make the vehicles they promised earlier in the year, um, mm-hmm. and that the orders that they announced even in the last week weren't weren't actually their orders. Um, they probably won't be spending a lot of money on lidar at this point. No, uh, and and they're not going to spend three point two billion dollars on Microvision, right? Uh, my, Microvision at one point. Uh, a year ago was going to be happy to get $22 million for their company. And now they've stumbled across this market and they have an enterprise value of $3.2 billion. Nobody's going to pay that. Not ever. Uh, and this is all based on market speculation and rumor. It's going to come crashing down. Now that it's in the Russell, it's going to cost, you know, everyday consumers, mom and pops money. And that really doesn't sit very well with me. Uh, and yet this is it's the way the Russell works right now. Uh, is, is there as they run through their customer base, I mean, do you try to look for a potential use case? What, how do you start to do that kind of research when you do this thing? What customer base? They don't have any I mean, customers. potential customer base. Well, I, I mean, look, I mean, their potential customer base is very, very limited. Right. I mean, you're you're talking about for a handful of large uh, buyers and it's a buyer's market. Uh, not a seller's market, and you're you're going up against big companies, uh, well-funded companies like Velodyne and Luminar, uh, and and you've also got you know General Motors and and um, Tesla and whoever else that are developing their own products in this in this area. So there's no guarantee that a they will be used at all, um, and I think they're just going to burn through this cash really um, and spend it on. You know, uh, like everybody else does, they're executives and, you know, um, egregious stock plans. So uh, a couple of years ago when they were in a different business and only a couple of years ago selling high definition display systems, mm-hmm. they did a deal where they uh, they said that they transferred production of the components to the customer. And I guess I don't know what that means. They handed their machines that make the components to the customer and got paid a royalty fee. Is there a business model there where they would invent something and then sell that to let the customer make it themselves and collect royalties a la Qualcomm? Well, it didn't work then. And it's not, you know, it's not going to work now. Uh, And that was with a different product. So I I really don't have any faith that a broken business model from three years ago is going to be the correct business model for them today. Um, They haven't reinvented themselves. They've stumbled into a market where, you know, retail investors can whisper billion dollar buyout and pump the stock. And that's what's happened. Nothing has changed since they had a $22 million enterprise value. They haven't gotten another customer. They haven't made one more sale. They haven't improved on anything. They haven't brought a, brought a product to market, yet they've They've changed their enterprise value from $22 million to $3.2 billion and, and entered the Russell. So and sold some stock. And you know, you they, they say in their, their 10K filing, they've got 52 employees and 37 of whom are engineers. 
Right. Well, and and you look at the R and D expense that they they have had, and you know, part of that is stock based compensation. Their their R and D expense is paying their engineers in stock. Well, it was prior to their at the money offerings where they've raised seventy million dollars. Maybe now they can actually pay their engineers in cash. Uh, it's a fascinating thing. So, uh, is this? I presume this is a stock that you, that you are short at the moment. I would have well, also would imagine it's probably hard to borrow shares in this thing. No, you know, actually, I'm not short this stock at the moment. I was I was short back uh, in July at three fifty and wrote it down to a dollar fifty, and we made pretty good money. But once once this whole meme stock thing happened with Reddit. I mean, as, as Drunken Miller would say, right? I mean, Stanley the reason Drunken I'm Miller not, wrote, yeah. yeah, I'm not short this stock because I'm not a fan of, you know, putting out a dumpster fire with my face. Uh, <laughs> at some point, uh, there's going to be a tipping point and maybe I'm not going to short it at the top, but I am going to get back in short uh, because it's never really going to be worth anything in my opinion. And if I'm shorting this thing at 10 bucks, instead of 22 bucks or 25 bucks, that's fine by me because I'm still going to make, you know, seven, eight bucks on it. I mean, that's just the thing, right? If it's, if you, if you, if you thought it was worth a hundred times sales, you, you might as well be worth a thousand times sales. Like there's a certain point, there's no logic to it. Uh, at a, and, and that's why I've always thought the notion of shorting stocks is, well, number one, shorting stocks and valuation is a fool's errand in right. my opinion. Uh, but number two, that's why we're doing a podcast that's based on what businesses actually do as opposed to what stock prices are, which any idiot can look at a chart and figure that out. That's that's well said. That is well said. Dan, David, Wolfpack, uh, really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. I appreciate being on your show, Corey. And, you know, please, for anybody that uh, wants to hear more about Wolfpack and uh, our interviews and uh, our stocks, join us on uh, our podcast. I hung up on Warren Buffett. Because I did hang up on Warren Buffett. How about that? All right, up next, the drill down bite, that one number that tells us a whole lot after this. The drill down is brought to you by Era, a one stop equity platform where you can seamlessly connect to any earnings call and surface actionable insights automatically. Era's AI powered tools will allow you to work faster and smarter. That's Era, A I E R A dot com. And you can listen to the drill on any of your favorite podcast platforms, but we would really like it. If you just tell somebody about the show, grab a friend, buy the lapels, Lyndon Johnson style, push them up against the wall and say, listen to the Drill Out podcast, would you? Or leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Tell people how much you like the show, why you listen to it every day, so we can bring some other people to the party. And let us know what companies you think we should be drilling down on. Talk to us on Twitter and Instagram by following at Drill Down Pod and connect with us directly at our website, bizpod.net. All right, welcome back to the drill down. We've got the drill down bite, that one number that tells us a whole lot. Isaac talked about how Microvision's been at it for a long time. You know, it takes a minute to get these lasers working or whatever their current market target is. Well, how many years since this count company was founded, Isaac? So when was Microvision founded? I'm, I mean, how many years has it been since they launched this thing? It's a very new technology, but I'm going to say, let's say 15 years ago. That's right. 28. There's your drill down bite. Oh. That one number that means a whole lot. 28 years ago, they launched this business. Wow. Still so very nascent in its product uh, delivery and revenues. I, I That's some I foresight. Company. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, I reached out to the company. Uh, they have not been able to get a comment back to us. We've also invited them on the podcast. And boy, we would love to talk to the fine folks up there in Redmond, Washington and Microvision, despite Dan's uh, concerns about their business prospects. Well, they're about to get an email from me just in a few minutes after recording this. All right. So, well, they got plenty from so me So we'll today. see. And there's, we've had some back and forth. So maybe they'll go on the show. That'd be great. Yeah, it would be All great. Right, well, thank I you for listening to, to The Drill Down. I'm Corey Johnson. Isaac Webster is our executive producer. The Drill Down is a podcast from the Business Podcast Network.